this is a words of wisdom post. I know I do a lot of posts where I'm just kind of commentating on different things, but every once in a while I have like an epiphany, something comes to mind where I realize something that I think would help people in their relationships. So one thing people need to do, the first the first problem really is we're all very selfish and self-absorbed. We're all focused on what we want, what we think and how we feel way more than we are concerned with the other person. Because the reality is a relationship, once you join a relationship, it's not about you anymore. It's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about the other person and then eventually, hopefully, your children. That's where your focus should be. And you would hope that the other person feels the same way. As of right now, our society is much more concerned with ensuring that you do equal to your partner or less than your partner. It's also a big focus on what we want. As I've said before, your love language is not actually about you. A lot of people say, give giving, words of affirmation, is their love language, but it's actually not your love language. Because what you're saying is, I want someone to give me gifts. I want someone to affirm me, to speak life into me, to make me feel better about myself, to raise my self-esteem, but that's not actually what that's about. It's supposed to be about how you speak, how you enter, how you interact. So in that case, your love language is what you do towards your partner we do the same thing when it comes to determining who we want we focus a lot more on what we want this person to give us what we want this person to be and much less on what we want to give them it's a lot more about receiving a bunch of things from our partner and not what we would give to them you know, the conversation of what do you bring to the table is actually kind of ridiculous. Now, in my mind, I say you need a checklist. It should be very short, no more than three to five things, characteristics, values, morals, whatever, boundaries, things you have in common. It should be no more than three to five things. This is all you are allowed to want from this person. Because the reality is it's not about what you can take. It's about what you can give. So something that I realized today, a lot of times too many of us are trying to test our partner or test a potential person that you can be with instead of observing. In my opinion, I've said this multiple times. You should be observing this person. You should be allowing them multiple opportunities around you, around family, around friends, taking them to different situations and observe them, not test them. This is why in observing them, it allows you to see multiple sides of their personality In observing them. It allows you to see how they interact with the world around them, how they interact with people, how they actually feel, what they actually see. Observing them cuts out the possibility of them lying, for starters. 
because a person will tell you whatever they want to tell you. Their representative will look like whatever they want it to look like, positive and negative, because people, surprisingly enough, will even lie to you about the negative traits about them in order to sway you to see them a specific way. For example, a lot of guys lie and say, you know, their upbringing was a lot more dangerous, a lot more rough. They'll lie about who they know, what they've done on a negative side to seem more exciting, to seem more mysterious. You know, we we all tend to, you know, um, I guess I would say, like, falsify some of our information. It's not always 100% accurate, but observing a person allows that to be deaded. You don't really care what people say. Like, honestly, actions speak much, much louder than words. Allow the person the opportunity to be who they said they were. Now, this is the issue. What we tend to do is we're very quick moving nowadays. We want to go from phone numbers to the altar within three weeks. So we're always trying to speed up the process. So a lot of people will test you on purpose to number one, see if you are who you said you were. And number two, to see if you are who they want you to be. Right. So they'll create a problem to see if you overcome the obstacle. A great example of that is right now, a lot of women are saying things like, if I tell you I'm not going to give you my number and you give up, that shows you didn't really want me that bad. If I ignore your DM the first time and you don't try again and again and again, it shows you didn't really want me. If I tell my partner when we're arguing that I want them to leave and they leave instead of staying, they leave instead of fighting for our relationship. That just means they didn't really want me. I've even heard people say things like, if my partner is really jealous, that's a good thing because that shows that they really want me. If they weren't jealous, that would mean that they don't really care. The reality is we are so focused on our own perception. We are so self-absorbed that we don't seem to understand that a relationship is two part. And so in this attempt to test if this person is what they say they are and they are good for you and they meet your desires for your partner. You're not thinking about how this makes you look. Because the reality is, if you create a problem. And this person is probably going to be aware of it, because what happened is based off of something you said or you did. You created a situation that you knew would go bad. Most people even tell you because after you fail the test, they tell you you failed or before they break up with you or before they ghost you, they tell you something 
that illuminates that they were testing you and you failed the test. Well, the reality is this person is, number one, going to see you as the person who cannot overcome obstacles. Because now what you've told them is if you fail or make a mistake or do anything wrong, I'm out. I'm constantly looking for your flaws. And if I find your flaws or I find too many flaws, I'm out. If you're not the perfect woman for me, if you're not the perfect guy for me, the one in my fantasies, the one in my mind, I don't want you anymore. And that's what you're now showing this person. Oh, you know, well, you you just going to dip every time there's an issue. You're just going to dip every time there's an obstacle. We're not going to talk things out. You're just going to test me. And if I fail the test, I fail the class. Metaphorically. They also will see you as the problem. It's, it's twofold, right? On one side, you have the fact that you literally created the problem, which means that they're going to see you as the person who creates the problem. So while you're trying to test them, every time there's a problem in your life, they're going to probably think that you're the one who created it. They're going to slowly shift to believing that they are the victim in the relationship and you are the issue in the relationship. And instead of seeing you as a problem solver, they'll see you as a problem creator. So you doing all of this, oh, I got to make sure that this man is this and that and the third. Oh, I got to make sure that she know how to do this, that, and the third. Okay. Examples for men, right? I'm going to talk to her, but I'm going to wait and see how long it takes for her to cook me a meal. Because she said she can cook. If it take her too long to cook me a meal, obviously she can't cook. I'm going to wait to ask her if she want to be my girl. Because, see, she got everything else right. I just need to know if she can cook. So I'm going to wait to ask her to be my girl until after she come over this weekend. Because she said she was going to cook for me. If the, if the food is good, bet. Let me introduce her to my mama. If my mama like her, if my sisters like her. Now, it's perfectly fine for you to feel that way. It's perfectly fine for you to feel like I would just be more comfortable with seeing how my friends and family feel about her first. I want I want their opinion. Of if I'm making a good decision. That's one. You know reasonable situation. But to say. I don't think my parents going to like her. I don't think my sisters. My brothers going to like her. I don't think my friends going to like her. I don't think she going to be able. To handle the fact. That my closest friends are females. I don't know how she going to feel about. The fact that my best friend. Is one of my ex-girlfriends. 
I don't think she gonna be okay with my baby mama. I don't even think they gonna get along. So let me test the water. Let me let me throw her in a situation to see how she react and what she do. Well, you're going into this with bad intentions. You know, for those who are a little bit more religious or spiritual or believe in manifestation and all of that, you're going into this with bad intentions. You expecting something negative to happen. You're putting this person into a negative situation on purpose with no intentions of actually helping them. With no intentions of actually supporting them. You, you're not even intending to overcome the obstacle. You have already planned out that if they fail, you're done. Now, again, I'm not expecting you to be perfect. That's why I said you got a list of three to five things. Those are the things that you're constantly looking for. Those are the things that you might ask a question or two about to determine if this person is actually going to fit what you're looking for. But those are characteristics about them. And again, the same answer should be, are these no-goes for sure? Or are these things you could overcome? You should be asking yourself questions about yourself when you look at this list of things that you want. Because if the reality is you're looking for a girl who can cook because you can't. Because you done went three to five, seven years without a home-cooked meal because you can't cook for yourself. Are you looking for a girl who can cook or who has traditional values because your mama didn't have traditional values? You want something you've never seen. You're trying to create a scenario you've never seen because growing up, your parents was never together. You was raised by your mama who had multiple boyfriends, multiple girlfriends got married seven times in your life. You got multiple siblings all over the country because both your parents weren't together. So now you trying to create a traditional situation. You ain't never experienced it. This ain't about them. This about you now. This, again, I said that we are so self-absorbed we focus on all of the good things because we want all the good things to come to us. But we don't realize or pay attention that we're putting all our negative on this person. That's what most people do. That's why we have these negative fears, these no-win scenarios, total loss scenarios. Girl that's not even in a relationship has been taught by her parents, her grandparents, the media, you single, you already imagining a man that you married to leaving you with three kids. That's a no-win scenario. That's, that's you taking all of your insecurities, your fears, your negative traits, and putting it on this person. You're not even looking for the good things. You're trying to find all the bad things. You know how long it's going to take for this man to propose to you before y'all have your first child, before you have a house? You worried about how much money this guy got right now. Because you worried if he can create this fantasy for you. 
You know how long it's going to take for you even get to this fantasy? Ten years from now, the man that you think is not the man of your dreams might be. Ten years from now, the man that you think got everything and he's so great and he's so amazing might not have a dime. You know, we've all seen it. Fast money ain't good money. The dudes who got fast money right now are going to be the dudes who, if they end up trying to change their life around or go to jail or something serious happens, might be making minimum wage or working under the table a few years from now. Same thing with men. A lot of men, we focused on how does she look physically? Am I attracted to her? Or am I just obsessed with how fine she is? I want to impress everybody. Like I'm reading a book right now that's very interesting because it talks about the fact that men, our social status is not based off of who we get pregnant. It's based off of who we date and who we marry. That's a little boost to our ego and a little boost to the focus that people have on us. Well, let me see what your girl look like. So we don't want the average girl. We don't want the good looking girl. We want the finest girl we can get. Oh, a new one now, right? Because we are moving into a new state of physical appearance and how people observe physical appearance. See, now what I've noticed is for a lot of people, even if it's not about physical appearance, it's about how nasty are you? You don't got to be the finest girl around, but you got to be willing to let me slut you out every three days. You got to be willing to let me do every disgusting, vile, trifling thing I can think of to you. What's that about? Where does that desire come from? To have the baddest chick you could possibly have. Where does that desire come from? To be as nasty and disgusting as you could possibly be. To be able to basically disrespect this woman. Treat her like she nothing for your own sexual carnal pleasure. Some men, and I'm not going to say women don't claim to enjoy it. I don't know if you do or not. I'm not you. But what I do know is there's a lot of men who, if they can't disrespect you, they don't want you. Because the sex isn't good to them. I've had women tell me before that if they can't get slammed and smacked around and beat on and talked down to and told that they ain't nothing and told that they're a sexual object and treated like a sexual object they don't enjoy it I've been told by men that if they can't do this that and the third to you they can't enjoy it and my first thought is where does that come from you putting this negative thing on this person you know we call it being turned out it might not be that phrase anymore but that's when a person who was less accustomed to this type of lifestyle or who might have been, you know, completely new to any of this, 
So, for example, a girl or a guy who's a virgin or hasn't been with very many people or every time they've had sex, they've been in a relationship and it's been a little bit more about loving. And then they meet someone who pushes them way over the edge to this other side. Oh, you got to be willing to let me do this to you and that to you and it's to you or I don't want it. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. I can't finish. I'm going to have to go find somebody who will let me do that. And my first thought is, for you to need to go this far, what's, what's wrong? Something had to have happened. Something had to be created in you that made you go, regular sex is boring. It's not good enough. You know, treating this person with pride and respect and love. I remember, and I think I talked about it before, there was a video of this girl saying how her partner gives her positive affirmations during sex. You know, saying things like she's beautiful, she's powerful, she's successful, she can achieve her dreams, she can overcome any obstacle. I don't know what all he's saying, obviously, because I'm not there. But he's giving her these positive affirmations during sex. And she's saying, like, this is the best sex I've ever had. This was the best orgasm I ever had. He was saying all of these great, wonderful things to me, making me feel good. And I thought about how interesting it is that we live in a world that's the opposite. We live in a world where sex is supposed to be degrading. I think I thought about not too long ago the fact that our every synonym for sex in any other context is negative. Fuck, smash, beat it up, smack, slap, choke, spit, bite, tear, rip, scratch. Knock, break. It's like all these, every single way we describe sex, it has to be aggressive. It has to be violent. It has to be negative. We don't say anything positive. We don't even like saying making love. Like we pretty much erase making love out of the vocabulary. I don't even think people say that anymore. If they do, they must say it only to their significant other. We don't like talking about those positive things. I even noticed how interesting it is that at one point in time, having sex to R&B with candles and, you know, colored lights and flowers and All of that used to be like a thing. You know, slow music and the old school bump and grind mentality. Whereas now, people having sex to aggressive rap music. No candles, no lights, no flowers, no love. Even if it starts off intimate it has to at some point in time become aggressive you want it hard you want it rough and i'm like 
huh, I wonder where that comes from internally. But you tell yourself, I'm not focused on why I want this. I'm not thinking about the fact that this has a negative connotation. I'm not thinking about the fact that this is the one person that I've said that I love and will protect and will provide for and will be there for and support. This is the most important person to me. And I'm going to stay with them indefinitely, forever. But I have internalized this desire to pretend like I'm hurting them. I've created this desire to put them into the most strenuous situation I can to be as aggressive towards them as I can without actually causing serious bodily harm. And I call it pleasure. I mean, we all know there is a whole culture of pain being replaced for pleasure. Isn't that interesting to anybody? Like that hurting someone makes them feel pleasure that hurting someone makes you hurting someone else makes you feel pleasured and the ironic thing is to actually do something that is pleasing is not good enough the pain is better than the actual pleasure if you try to actually do something good instead of something aggressive it's not good enough I will replace you and so you got to think about that this is the intentions and the energy you're putting into this person what do you think you're going to receive back you're testing let me test the limits of how far this girl can go Cause you know I'm a freak and I'm this and I'm that. So if I can't do this and that to her, it ain't gonna work. So now for a second, imagine this. You are taking this girl who is not on the same level as you and trying to test just how far she can go. And after realizing that she can't do everything you want, she won't do everything you want. She doesn't like it the way you do it. Or whatever that she's falling short of your sexual desires. Kick it to the curb. How do you think you look as a person? And how do you think this is going to affect this person's self-esteem? Their libido? Their personality traumatizing spiral that more than likely is going to lead this person to becoming similar to you because the reality is we all try to change the things about ourselves in order to attract the people that we want to attract Creating a slippery slope, creating a cause and effect negative reaction 
that is going to lead to more and more people. That's my theory. Because I remember at one point in time, they used to talk about how black girls don't suck dick. Then there was one point in time where they said, well, black girls don't like anal. And now we've gotten to this world where everyone's saying, if you ain't willing to let me put it everywhere I can possibly put it and do everything I can think of and everything I've heard of, I don't want you. And so now you got rappers, female rappers who talk about everything. It's funny to me because a lot of times people like to go, well, let's talk about, you know, Lil' Kim or this artist or that artist. They was nasty. They wasn't as nasty as these girls. These girls talk about all kinds of wild stuff. I'm not going to say there aren't artists from the past that weren't nasty and didn't say all kinds of wild things. But, like, we've gotten to the point now where it's like you got to be willing to do everything. And just like the example, the little story I told, there are a lot of women who test men this way. That's what I'm saying. This whole test culture is not positive. Because girls will go, do you suck toes? And if you say no, they ain't interested. Do you eat ass? And if you say no, they ain't interested. Mm. How do you look? How are you perceived? Or you get into a relationship with someone and you're trying to test if they'll do it. Thinking in your mind, this is something that I enjoyed with someone in the past. If they're not willing to do it, I don't want them. Now, this is my theory. Because based off of the thing that I just said, it's pretty clear cut and dry. The reality is most people don't have a real fantasy of what they want. They don't really know themselves, what they bring to the table themselves, what they're providing to a relationship. So what they've done is they've taken a combination of the traits of the people from the past. They've said, this person did this, this person did this, this person did this. I like those things. And so now what they're doing is they're looking for someone who is someone from their past. Truth be told, most people, they ain't with who they want to be with. They with who they could be with or who they have to be with. There's somebody they love more than you. There's somebody they want more than you. Because it's someone from their past. That's the reason why they like what they like, why they want what they want. They haven't thought about anything else. Because what you should do is you should look and say, okay, what type of family unit would I want? What type of household would I want? Then you look at yourself and say, could I create this? Do I know what it looks like? Do I know what it takes to get it? And if the answer is no, then you reform. Because the reality is, you might not be the person who's ever going to have a white picket fence. You might not get the American dream. Why? Because you don't know what it looks like. You don't know how to get it. And you ain't nowhere near being able to create it. So you have to create a new fantasy, a new idea. But that's not what we do. Instead, we go, well, if I want it, I need to be with this type of person to provide it, to create it. You know, I'm not a traditional man, but I got to be with a traditional woman 
because she can create a traditional home. I'm not a traditional woman, but if I can find a man who makes enough money, he can create a traditional situation. I'm not a traditional woman, but if I find a man who goes to church and loves God, he can help me create what I don't know how to create. Hmm. But all the while, you testing them based off of what Lucy did, Jimmy did, Stacy did. Based off of all these people from your past, you trying to figure out if you can recreate what you had with them with a new person. That's where this whole idea of having a type comes from. You got a type because you want the person you with to look like everybody else from your past or a specific person from your past. You want them to have a specific trait that someone else had in your past. Oh, my type is this. Oh, who was it? That would be my first thought. Who was it? Because it's either someone that you fantasized about that you've always wanted but not had, like a celebrity, or it's someone you were with and you couldn't be with them to the extent you wanted to be. Maybe y'all had sex, but y'all never dated. Maybe y'all dated, but y'all broke up. Maybe you thought, oh man, this person would be a great person to have kids with. Maybe there's a fantasy or something that you want to do sexually that you couldn't do with anybody else but them. That's where your type comes from. I think people don't do enough self-reflection. These phones are a distraction. These, these TV shows are extremely busy lives. Everybody constantly trying to go on vacation to run away from their lives. We don't do enough self-reflection. We don't do enough internal work to really like see who are you. I've said it before, if you can't sit by yourself for 20 minutes and just think about things, just sit inside your own head, run through your own memories. You know, a lot of us got basically PTSD. Every time you bring up one of your memories of something that happened in your past, an old relationship, you start getting traumatized. You depressed, you have an anxiety. You're trying to run from everything. You're constantly under the influence of something because you can't deal with your reality. You have to be in a state of feeling good at all times because as soon as you don't, you fall in. It's crazy to me to see how many people are like actually capable addicts. I've noticed that with the normalization and... um you know, common access to marijuana and edibles and things like that. There are a lot of people who are just functioning drug addicts. You haven't gone a whole 24 hours in how long without being under the influence of something. I tested the theory not too long ago because I realized that if you stop smoking and drinking, you stop being the same person you were. You stop getting invited to the same things. 
you start to notice how every single time you're in a social setting, someone's offering you something. Because we don't even know how to be around each other without there having to be something. When was the last time you was with a friend or a family member and y'all didn't turn the TV on, didn't look at your phones, didn't have to eat some crazy full course meal, didn't have to get drunk or get high. All y'all did was just talked and enjoyed each other's company. See that old school mentality of like sitting out on the porch drinking tea and lemonade? That's going away for most of us. Focus on yourself. And I don't mean in the way where people are like disappear for six months, don't date, don't talk to anybody, tell everyone who's interested in you that it's the wrong time and to leave you alone. I mean, like, you can simultaneously be wherever in a relationship and still looking at yourself. Honestly, in a relationship is the time when you would learn the most. Because, see, outside of a relationship, everything is about your perspective. You can't ask questions. You can't really see how you are. We tend to focus a lot more on the negatives and making ourselves the victim and everyone else the problem. In a relationship, you can't do that. So everybody who's sitting up talking about, oh, well, I'm just going to focus on myself for a while and not date. Those are the people. Those people, as soon as they get in a relationship, they got a million problems. You think you did all of this work to, to deal with these problems. You haven't. You get into these relationships and a whole new list of problems you didn't prepare for pops up. Or the old problems still rear their ugly head. Your trauma ain't gone. You thought that you were this person, but you got in a relationship and realized the person you thought you were is only the person you are when you're single. Now that you're in a relationship, you don't recognize yourself. Or you don't know how to deal with this person's problems. Now you have to reteach yourself who you are because you have to deal with these problems you didn't prepare for. Trying to fix yourself while you're single does nothing. It does nothing. It might help you with your own self-work that you needed to do, your self-esteem your ability to overcome your personal obstacles to achieve your personal goals. But being single isn't going to do anything for you as it pertains to being in a relationship, except making you a better person, I guess. In all things, balance is the key anyway. So jumping all the way to the shallow end, and then saying that's going to help you to learn how to swim in the deep end. Well, maybe a little bit, but definitely not enough.